Two brothers. When united, form the Disney Majors. Fighting the powers of evil with their mouths. Here's your hosts, Jake and Eli Hollingsworth. Hello everyone, I'm Eli Hollingsworth and I'm joined by my brother, Jake Hollingsworth. And hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And today we are here to talk about life. And today is another Wednesday. At least I think it is. Yes, it is. So... Today is Wednesday, and we're back here. Today we're covering Aladdin, which we've been this and I have been discussing for like today, ages. guys. Guys, today is the the most important episode of the Movie Majors podcast because this is my favorite movie of all time, Aladdin. Uh, it's my favorite movie. I just said that, but um, it is definitely like this is going to be the best episode ever. Hopefully, hopefully we speak correctly and. Uh, say what we want to say. So, uh, first, we have our main topic, or not our main topic, but we can talk about the Book of Boba Fett probably for our main topic. Oh, yeah, because we did, forgot, out of all the stuff we, we, meant, we talked about last, we, we forgot to talk about Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, well, first, well, first I want to say um, some up, an update on the the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that Danny Elfman is officially returning to, well, not returning, but he's officially scoring the movie. Uh, he posted on his on social media that he was scoring the movie with some other guy um i forget his name and so but jake and i because actually i think that same day we were wondering if he was actually going to be scoring yeah we were it. like what happened was we were wondering like should would he be able to would he score this this doctor strange 2 but then we but then i remembered oh wait he had he had a miserable time working on spider-man 2 with sam Raimi. so would he want to come back yeah but then i was looking at doctor strange 2 news and i found that i was like oh he is scoring it I'm like okay they must have made they must have made up yeah be like hey man i'm sorry and he's like okay i forgive you we're friends again yeah because if you don't know what he's talking about danny elfman uh, scored the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. He scored Spider-Man one, two, and three, and the director. Well, of that... he scored one and two. He had a bad experience uh, yeah. on Spider-Man two, and then he consulted on Spider-Man three. Yeah, uh, because he scored. Yeah, he scored Spider-Man one and two, and the director of those movies was Sam Raimi. And apparently, on while working on Spider-Man two, he had a bad experience with Sam Raimi. And Sam Raimi is scoring Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. And so Jake and I were wondering, would he return to score? Because uh, he has obviously has some beef with Sam Raimi. Uh, so, but apparently he is. So I don't know what happened there. Maybe. This is the second time he's scoring an MCU film because he also scored Age of Ultron. So this is not the first time he scored an MCU movie. Yeah, which the Age of Ultron score was good. Um, not was, classic. It was really good, but like, yeah, he didn't add, and it didn't sound very Danny Elfman-y at all. Like, it didn't sound like his usual bag of tricks. It's I still say his best score is the Spider-Man score he came up with. That was amazing. Pun totally intended. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know which one I'd say, because he's done some really good scores. He's probably one of my favorite composers of all time. He's just, I really like his work. He's a very good composer. Uh, he's probably my top five. But, um, uh, I don't know why, like, what went wrong with M.H. Ultron. It just wasn't, like, very iconic. It was just, it was really good, but, yeah, I don't know. It was because Alan Silvestri, another one of the greatest composers of all time, had already scored yeah, the first one. For some reason. 
Yeah, we never looked into that, but uh, he scored the first Avengers, so the first Avengers movie. So uh, Danny Elfman kind of had to like come along, and <laughs> so that's probably another reason why. But anyway, uh, so Danny Elfman is returning to score Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, so that's exciting. Also, we haven't talked about Spider-Man No Way Home since it came out, which I know uh, Spider-Man No Way Home we talked about it all the time, uh, but. So the movie is currently what what the people are the people are predicting is that by the time No Way Home is out of theaters, it will be in the top five money making movies domestically of all time. I'm pretty sure. Very possible. Um, that's what they're predicting because it's steady up, it's steadily rising in sales, uh, or steadily move trucking along. So um, that's exciting. I think it deserves that. I think it deserves to be like about as big as Endgame personally but um so you know because of covid restrictions and all that kind of they, stuff it can never it probably wouldn't be able to beat endgame's records because it, we're in a pandemic yeah so if, if it were not a pandemic it's still debate it's up for debate whether or not it could have beaten endgame it's possible it's possible yeah it definitely is yeah but because we're in a pandemic we'll never know if it would have been able to defeat and well not defeat but like beat endgame <laughs> endgame i said endgame whoops endgame so so recently, so yeah, there's something that we forgot. To, I have all the stuff that we caught up on last week. We forgot oh, no, to mention. I also want to say, um, Andrew Garfield also recently was doing some interviews after No Way Home's release, and he talked about how he was so relieved that he finally got to stop lying about. Well, even that he also had fun lying. He's yeah, he's relieved, but he also meant he had fun. He said yeah. it was like a game of werewolf, and again, he's going yeah, back to his werewolf his joke. Werewolf, yeah, <laughs> that became a big meme on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently there was a werewolf that got onto the No Way Home set, and they had to shut it down, but then Tom Holland recognized it and realized it was Andrew Garfield, so production could resume. <laughs> so no Way Home, the No Way Home set had a werewolf in And they could, didn't werewolf, contain werewolf this werewolf? Attack. No, they never caught They were just like, oh, it's Andrew Garfield, okay. They didn't realize it until later, because Tom Holland pointed it out. Anyway, then also Tom, Andrew Garfield revealed that he, in, that he improvised the I love you guys line yeah. from No Way Home. Which, which yeah, it's, it's okay. He's amazing, that's just him genuinely loving them. Which yeah, it's okay for us to talk about spoilers now. We should have said spoiler warning actually before. Put it in, put it in the description. You can just stop not like yeah. Anyway, Boba Fett time. Boba Fett gets his time to shine. Also, Hawkeye was good. It's good. It was a good show. Also. Yeah. Did we not talk about the finale? I don't think we did. Um, the finale was very good. Uh, I think we very did. Satisfying. I think we mentioned it. Yeah. It's not a Christmas classic. Yeah, but I'm sure I will probably watch this around Christmas because this is a very satisfying Marvel Christmas story. Also, I don't think Kingpin is dead at all. No, you know, when you don't show someone dying, they're never dead. That's yeah. movie logic number 101. Yeah, so... And so now Boba Fett time. So they dropped the first episode the week after Hawkeye, which was, which which is because well, originally, originally the last episode of Hawkeye is going to come out the same day as Boba Fett episode one, but they didn't want to have to like make people choose so they yeah. just pushed up Hawkeye a little bit so mm. anyway yeah Boba Fett episode one dropped chapter one Stranger in a Strange Land one I like well first off I like that name I think it's very clever Stranger in a Strange Land and two that, I thought that one was a good one but then again I, I mean I know people were saying that it's really slow but I'm not getting mad at that one because that one's just a show pilot that's what show pilots do they're usually very slow and they're just like setting up ideas and like plot lines that will be established in other episodes yeah well yeah. that's the nature of a pilot they like bring it up they bring up all these possible plot ideas in the first episode and if it gets picked up then if the ratings are good and it gets picked up then they'll do it but a lot of times 
That's why a lot. That's why a lot of times. I'm, that's why a lot of times, whenever you see, you see shows, they'll drop the first episode. And it will be a while before they release more. That's mainly because they're waiting for the see how the ratings do. Yeah. With streaming, but with streaming shows, you can't do that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Point. But that's, but the pilot aspect still applies. So I'm not I'm not too mad with chapter one, Stranger in a Strange Land for Boba Fett, but I am a little bit more upset with um, chapter two because that one was was very. Well, actually, the reason why I like Chapter 1 so much is I liked the answer that was given was, how did Boba Fett escape the Sarlacc? We finally got to see... Yeah, that was, like, the, the most action. exciting part of that first episode was... I mean, and again, so I've said this before on the podcast, I think, probably, most likely, um, that Boba Fett is my favorite Star Wars character of all time. So I was definitely very excited to check this show out. Uh, and when I first watched the first episode, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. But as it sank in, I was just kind of like, yeah, it's... Not the greatest. Um, it's not. It's already good. It's nowhere as good as Mandalorian yet. It'll probably get. It'll probably get there. But it's nowhere near as good as Mandalorian was. No. Yeah. No. It's nowhere near as good as Mandalorian. I still think that Mandalorian is the best Disney Plus show. Like. Yeah. Period. I that's don't think. Why, that's why most. As people much as I like. As much as I liked WandaVision. As much as I liked Falcon vs. Soldier. As much as I liked Loki and What If and Hawkeye. I love those shows. I still don't think they're they're as good as Man. I still think Mandalorian is better than those. Even though yeah. I love those Marvel Disney Plus shows, and I'm excited for the ones they have coming out, especially X-Men 97 and Spider-Man Freshman Year. Those two are my most anticipated Marvel Disney Plus shows. Yeah. I then, still think that Mandalorian is probably their best Disney Plus show that's come out so far. Yeah, well, because uh, Mandalorian is just... It was just like a return to classic, classic Star, Star Wars, Wars that makes it so great. And uh, so it was just... For Star Wars fans, it was just amazing. It was a nice refresher after the sequels. Yeah. Let's put it like that. Yeah. And so, this one, Boba Fett, I'm sure it will get there, especially after this last episode. I think, I'm sure it will get there. I'm sure it will be as good. It will probably be as good as Mandalorian. Probably not better, but I think it needs to be as good. Yeah. But, Chapter 2 it was really slow. Yeah. Like, that doesn't pro- doesn't really progress the plot forward. It's just kind of like, again, lollygagging. Like, at least it's, at least the present timeline is where the issues come up. Because, like, they're just lollygagging around, like, around Tatooine, just doing nothing, really. Yeah. And the, and the flashback timeline was interesting because it was Boba Fett teaching Tusken Raiders how to ride speeder bikes. And when he goes to that, like, cafe place or whatever that was, he actually, they, those characters that were there were actually characters from a deleted scene from A New Hope, which everyone, which was really cool to see. Like, characters yeah, from everyone, a deleted scene A New Hope being brought into canon. One yeah. of them was a Luke Skywalker love interest who never made the cut. Yeah. So that was cool. I mean, that was cool and interesting. Like that's that's just some of the cool nerdy stuff that Favreau and Filoni's like, and in, in, in we saw it a lot in the Mandalorian. That that stuff that they're just like do this, add this cool nerdy stuff in that make the nerds' heads all yeah. go crazy. And I'm curious that now that they've done Luke Skywalker Mandalorian, will they have him meet up with that love interest at some point down the line? I'm cu- ever since like that, ever since I realized that, I'm curious if they're ever if they're thinking about doing that. Yeah. Like, actually making her his actual love interest. That would be an interesting choice. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and I don't know if... Um, the I, th- I think their nerd-iness, like adding Easter eggs and stuff, is really good. But, like, story-wise... They, they, I mean, I get it. They're, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're taking their time, but still... Even Mandalorian sees. Even Mandalorian did this too. They need to. They take. They take a little too long to get things. Yeah, like it's way. Mandalorian had this problem too. It's not. I mean, especially in season. Mandalorian is mostly. Mandalorian is mostly perfect, but other than that, it's. it's, Other than those. 
other than the, the filler, other than the side quest episodes of Mandalorian, it was perfect. Yeah, like it's a side quest, it just has filler. This is just slow. This has movement. no filler. Like it's Robert, just not even anything. It's just blank space. <laughs> yeah, like Robert Rodriguez said, it's all killer, no filler, which is true. It's just it's slow. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's like it's there's no filler, but there's just like nothing else there. Like everything feels like it's important. It's just moving really slow. But chapter two was like I kinda, said this. To, I said this eh. to Jake. You could have probably started the series with the third episode, and we wouldn't have missed very much at all. Other than the Sarlacc escape, you wouldn't have missed anything. Exactly. Like, the, the flashback plot line. Like, if you were to take the... Like, look at the first two chapters. If you were to take the present timeline out and make it just the flashbacks, it, it would change nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, still, the only question would be, how did he get the Gamorrean guards? But you could just assume that he just hired them after he killed Babe Fortuna. Yeah. But other, yeah, other than that, it would be... Like, no questions asked. Like, yeah, nothing really happened at all. But, like, so I'd say chapter 1 was better because it had the Sarlacc, it had Sarlacc stuff, which is why I liked that one. Yeah, that was good. Which is a good way to start the episode, too. Yeah. And so chapter 2, um, forgot what, you, what chapter 2 was called, but that one was so good. And chapter 3, this one's the best one so far. It's not great, but it's definitely the best of the pack so far. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's better so than good. both of them. Because finally, on the present time, like, they put more attention into the present timeline this time around. Yeah. And, like, the, the flashback is still there, but they wrapped that up. I'm sure, there, but obviously there's going to be more flashbacks. Yeah. Because they said it's a flashback-heavy show, so there's going to be more. But they wrapped up that one Tusken Raider plot they had running. Yeah. And so now they put more focus into the main timeline, and finally things are getting moving. Yeah, the main. I think episode three is definitely the best in the entire series. Um, it's it, it was just it's so much better just just moving the plot along. Actually, it was interesting. There was things. There was mystery. There was intrigue. It was like, ooh, what's going on here with the Pikes and the mayor and and that kind Rainbow of. Rainbow Crimson Dawn show up. Is that is that a little tease those theories, for right. Crimson Dawn? The, the huts say. That there's already another crime syndicate laying claim to this territory. I was like, ooh, is that Crimson Dawn? Um, so it was just, there was a lot, it was just so much better. Like, I don't know what happened with the first two episodes, but, and I guess we couldn't really get to this point if the first two episodes didn't lay down the groundwork, but. Yeah, but the first episodes are going to take their time, but. Yeah. It just needed to, like, pick it up. Yeah. Exactly. So, technically, this one was the best, because, like, it's like, instead of, like, just doing the normal, like, Bobo wakes up from his flashbacks. Instead, he just wakes up to getting attacked yeah. by the Wookiee guy. That yeah, was. there was actually there was more action. There was more intrigue. It was, and then the last episode is like is like saying the course for the rest of the show is that they're gonna go to war with the Pikes over the over Java's territory. Yeah, and Bobo's just like, we'll be ready. Yeah, and I'm wondering if we'll get to do if we'll finally get what Star Wars fans have been wanting for years, and that is a bounty hunter team up. Like, will Boba Fett go round up some of his quote-unquote buddies? No, buddies is not the right word. Like, yeah. will he round up some of his associates yeah, yeah, yeah. to, like, fight off the pikes? Like, he'll probably, he'll probably go and get Boss, because Boss has already been reported to be in the show. He'll probably go get Boss. It's him and Boss are buds. So that one makes sense. Cad Bane's, he fought, he did shoot Cad Bane, so there's a question as to, like, why would, he, why would Cad Bane help him? Which, speaking of Cad Bane, Dave Filoni apparently wrote and directed... Chapter six of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, which and is if interesting. any Clone Wars character, if Bane is gonna show up at any point in the show, it's gonna be Episode six. Yeah, and whatever he does, it's gonna set up the finale most likely because there's seven episodes in this show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's definitely that's very interesting that Dave Filoni like. I when, we, when I heard that I thought that was very interesting that 
I think I think most people did too <laughs> that he wrote and directed the entire episode. Now that makes me a little bit scared and a little bit skeptical because the last episode that he wrote and directed, actually no, it was he Soka episode of Mandalorian. Yeah, but the first one that he did was episode six. No, I think it was episode whichever the gunslinger in season one. That was yeah, the one that he wrote and directed. Uh, or at least he directed. I don't know if he wrote it, but surprised there was no Clone Wars characters in that one. Yeah, it was just. Well, then again, he chose not to do that, which was smart. It was the worst episode of the show, <laughs> probably. Well, um, mm, chapter ten is probably worse. Uh, chapter ten oh, is worse, yeah. but the gunslinger is definitely down there. Yeah, yeah, the gun. Yeah, and so that makes me a little bit skeptical of episode six. But you know what? Ed, or chapter six. Sorry. But um, it's described as all kill or no filler, so it's not going to be a filler episode. Yeah. And it's the second to last episode of the series, so it's going to be important. Yeah. Um, so that should be fun. So so with the present timeline, my guess is that they'll probably put the flashbacks on a lesser priority, and this time, and now going forward, they're going to put more focus onto the present timeline. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen, but of course there's still going to be flashbacks, but I think the present timeline will finally get, them, you'll get more attention. Yeah, because the first two episodes, it was so much of the flashbacks and the present stuff only got, like, one or two scenes. And in this one, there was only one flashback scene, and the whole rest was the actual present-day timeline. Which I never liked. I don't think I really like the past, the little flashbacks that they're doing. Because there's no stakes in the flashbacks. Because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's already happened, so... Like, and we see Boba Fett alive today, so there's... It's not really like, oh, is he gonna die? Like, there's no real stakes. Yeah, it's kind of like a handicap. They can't kill him off, otherwise there'll be continuity issues. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> if he dies in the past timeline, then he's still alive here. That wouldn't make any sense. Is it, is it, is it, wait a minute, if he did die in the past, and that would mean that Boba Fett we're seeing is a clone. clone. Dun, dun, dun. That's obviously not true, but it would be funny if it was. Yeah. Like, that would be the ultimate plot twist. Like, Boba Fett actually died in this. No, actually, that can't work because they showed Boba Fett escaping. So, never mind. Yeah. So, anyway, chapter. Okay, so Boba Fett is good right now, but I'm sure it'll get better. I hope it will. As it goes on. I'm sure it will because the present timeline's finally moving along. Yeah, for once. It's moving right along for sure. I'm expecting people to show up at some point. Like, Bosk has already been reported, Cad Bane has been reported, you show up, which I want, Cad Bane, live action, that would be awesome. And there's also been rumors going around that Harrison Ford will show up in the last episode of Boba Fett, D.H., as Han Solo. Yeah. Which I don't know how likely that is, but... We'll see how they do that. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, because that would feel a little bit like they're trying to make lightning strike twice. <laughs> yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So, well, just so I'm, I'm choosing, like, usually with... The, I mean, like, the Boba Fett and Bosk ones, I find those believable. Han Solo one, because Harrison Ford does not like doing Star Wars. Um, yeah. That's the one. I've, that's just... That's my reasoning for finding this one a little bit far-fetched. But if it happens, I won't be complaining. I'm probably going to flip out. Yeah. <laughs> if it happens, I won't be complaining, because I love Han Solo. But that seems a little far-fetched. I'm just going to remain neutral on whether or not that's true let's leave, leave it on undecided yeah i feel like there's a good 50 50 chance it's yeah it's 50 50 like it could happen but at the same time it could it but if it's not. being reported so many times there's a chance but i'm still leaving it at in the middle yeah uh so the first three episodes the first two were meh 
First uh, one was good. The first one, I thought the first one was good. Second one was meh. This one was good. Yeah, this one was very good. I really like this episode. Uh, and it's just also very nice. Like, as much as it's like, oh, story problems, blah, blah, blah. It's still fun to see, but it's still fun to be on Tatooine again and exploring a different part that we haven't really seen before, like the crime yeah. underworld Tatooine. And we get to spend more time with Boba Fett. So that's always fun. And also, it's also it's funny how it's Fennec, how like everyone's like expecting like to get more Fennec in this one when Fennec doesn't even do anything. Both Fennec's the one getting like way more screen time. Yes. So, those are our thoughts on Book of Boba Fett and us thoughts on Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and everything else that's happened in the world. So, that's all we got for main topic for now, and we'll see you guys in the flip side when we talk about Aladdin. Yes. See. Yes, now we're going to move into our next segment where we're talking about my favorite movie of all time. Time, time, time. This is the way. All right, we're back and we're ready to talk about Aladdin. All right, so. <laughs> it's like a trumpet. Wow. Uh, so. Instead of a behind-the-scenes nugget for today, uh, I'm just going to be kind of taking y'all through the entire history of the Aladdin-ness. Um, so Can I say one thing about the movie? Oh, yeah, so you should probably say your before thoughts you first. Th- before you start, I might, like, chime in every now and then. But just so you guys know, I'm probably going to be a little bit more quiet than I usually am, which mm-hmm. is not a surprise. But anyway, I would say, I'd say it's a fun, definitely a fun movie. Great addition to the Disney Renaissance. Robin Williams, of course, steals the show. But even if Robin Williams was not in, Robin Williams was not in it, I would definitely say it's, it would still be a fun, entertaining magic carpet ride of a movie. Even, but it's, but but still very enjoyable. Like Robin Williams is like, I think this is I would say this is probably peak Robin Williams. Like these like '90s were like him and it's. Oh yeah, this is this is definitely the the peak for Robin. Shush, Williams. Save your words, little one. Um, Robin, Robin, I was this is Robin Williams in his prime. The '90s was definitely him in his prime time. This was very good, and I'm de- and these are definitely some very good songs that I would be interested in doing karaoke to. Like that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting idea. I'm not saying I'm gonna do that, but that'll be an interesting idea. So, great movie, great great spectacle, great villain Jafar. Jafar is awesome. Jafar is like the best yeah, Disney villain. Yeah, he's probably other than best. Hades. He's the best Disney villain. I think Hades is probably the best. So, this is a great, fun, magic carpet ride of a movie. And, I'll, and now this will probably be the last you hear of me unless I chime in with something. All right. So, let's start at the very I'm beginning. I'm letting you go. Unleash the beast, Eli. All right. So, let's start at the very beginning. And I'm not talking about the beginning of this movie. I'm talking about before this movie. Before this movie was even thought of. Before movies in general were even thought of. So, the original inspiration for Aladdin is, yes, because this is not an original story. It's actually based off of something it's called 1001 nights it is the original inspiration um for Aladdin, and it is a collection of stories collected around the year 1000 which kind of seems like a missed opportunity they could have collected them around the year 1001 so they could be a thousand one nights you know around the year 1000 but whatever um and then a guy named a- abba antoine galland is his name offered a free translation of the stories in the year 1704 uh, the main differences are there are no magic carpets in the original story, obviously. Or not obviously, but like, you know. Uh, Jafar is not really a villain either in the original story. Um, he's just kind of like a side character. He's like, 
uh, he wants Jafar. Okay, so the, so the original story of Aladdin, there's a lot of differences, actually. The whole story is different. Instead of Aladdin, you know, being a street rat in the city of Agrabah and uh, finding a magical lamp in the Cave of Wonders because Jafar wanted him to, and then, you know, you know the story of Aladdin. You've probably seen the movie if you're watching this. Um, in the original Aladdin, uh, it's about Aladdin, this little street boy who plays in the streets <laughs> with his friends. <laughs> uh, I think that sounds so silly. I'm sorry. Uh, he, what was I going to say? He, his uncle, who is named Mustafa, which actually gets a little reference in the actual movie when Genie says, How was that, Mr. Doubt and Mustafa? Uh, so that's actually a little reference to that. But um, in, the, in the, I almost said in the comics, I've been doing There's too no much comics movie. about Aladdin. I've been doing, well, maybe there is, who knows. Um, I've actually been reading too much Marvel, or doing too much Marvel lately. But anyway, um, in the original story, yeah, the, the main villain is Aladdin's uncle named Mustafa. And Mustafa is a magician who comes and says to, it, basically it's this, it's kind of the same, but like, so he tricks Aladdin into going to the cave. And then he goes into the cave, and the genie isn't really, the genie has a much smaller part in the original story. He does he has no desire to be free, and also he gives Aladdin an infinite amount of wishes. Like, there's no three-wish rule. They added that in the movie Aladdin to add more tension to the story, obviously, because it gives the plot more and tension. And so the fans could count and make sure Aladdin gets all three of his wishes. Yeah, which now there's a bunch of controversy over. Like, oh, which I'm like, you people need to go away. Um, uh, yeah, kind of. I did say that. Um, I do think that every day. Uh, every night before I bed, I curse them. Before I bed, before I go to sleep, I curse their families. I'm just kidding, I don't. Uh, whatever, yeah, they have their own opinions, and you can poke holes in the plot of Aladdin, sure, but whatever. Uh, so the genie does not have any desire to be free. He gives Aladdin an infinite amount of wishes, and, uh, he just kind of, like, doesn't really do anything, except for, you know, grant Aladdin wishes. And the way Aladdin meets Jasmine is much more interesting. (laughs) The way he meets... Jasmine in uh, the original story. Now this is a different time, okay? Of course, it's a different time period than than nowadays, obviously. Uh, so, in the story, um, and I've told Jake this before because I read it and he hasn't, so I like kind of told him all the weird. And things. I'm not gonna read it because of this one detail. So what happens is, it was like Jasmine wants to go and take a bath or something, and so what the Sultan does is he orders everyone to. Close, like, all the blinds on their windows so Jasmine can walk through town naked and take a bath. And then uh, Aladdin, for some reason, uh, actually doesn't do that. And he sees Jasmine, and then he falls in love with her. So uh, It's so messed up. It is very messed up. But again, this is a different time period. I so. know, but still, it's even worse about the, it's even worse about the fact about how Aladdin is a little boy. So, it makes it worse. Yeah, well, she's probably a little girl, too. Okay, okay, okay. So, I was like, I was to ask. Okay, that makes... What am I saying? Okay, point of the story is I will never read that story because of that detail. It's so messed up. Yeah, it, it, it's a little weird, Um, definitely. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, not the best. Um, But, yeah, so Mustafa, actually. And so, then what ha- there's also a lot of, there's also some other weird stuff that happens. And it's Jafar, instead of being the main villain, he's kind of like a side villain, if you will. And all he's doing is he just wants Jasmine to marry his son, uh, who I don't think has a name in the original story. Um, 
So a lot is different, and then they change a lot. And also, a big part of the story in the original is original uh, folktale is Aladdin's mom. So he Aladdin has no parent or his parents. Yeah, he loses his father in the story, uh, but his mom is a very big part of the original story. Like she kind of like mitigates things between the Sultan and Aladdin when he's like Prince Ali and stuff, because uh, that still is a part of the story. He he wishes to become a prince. Um, and then the whole thing parts, falls apart at the end because Aladdin goes a hunting and, uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just want to say that actually we'll get to that later when we talk about that part. Um, so he is, yeah. So that's, I think that's basically all the differences except for some that we'll get into later. But yeah, that's the main gist of it. The big ones that are different from the original. And I encourage uh, you all to never read that folktale. Yeah, probably you shouldn't unless you're like me and Aladdin's your favorite movie of all time. So you have to read it. Because you just gotta know. Uh, but other than that, yeah, you probably shouldn't uh, read it at all. So that's the that's the starting point. And then fast forward uh, like 200 years to when film was a thing and Disney feature animation was a thing. And um, Ron Clements and John Musker had just come off of directing Little Mermaid. Well, not just come off of directing Little Mermaid. But they had directed Little Mermaid, and then Disney wanted them to do Beauty and the Beast. But they actually said no, because they were too tired. They just finished doing Little Mermaid. So they're like, no, we want a break. And then, since they took that break, they eventually winded up doing Aladdin. Obviously. Well, not obviously, but yeah, I, I keep saying that. <clears throat> obviously, they ended up doing Aladdin, because their names are on the movie. Um, so, they ended up doing Aladdin, and it's the classic that we all know it as today, and I love it so much, and it's my favorite movie of all time. Actually, we shouldn't go that far, but... So, yeah, they started making the movie, and early designs for... Or early concepts of the story actually included Aladdin's mom, for one thing. Um, also, when they went through a few revisions, they actually had this concept. Instead of Abu as Aladdin's little, like, you know, soulmate, sidekick thing, that kind soulmate. of... Soulmate? That's Jasmine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> that's kind of his little sidekick, buddy, partner, whatnot. Uh, he actually had three friends, and their names were Babcak, Omar, and Kasim, which actually make an appearance, not an appearance, they're a main part of the story, in the Broadway show. Which is actually really good. Yeah. Because it came to Florida January 2020, funny, funnily enough, and we actually yeah. got to see it, and it was really good. Yeah, so we, so I've seen every bit of Aladdin lore except for the Aladdin cartoon tv show i still have not seen that and it makes me mad every day uh because it's the one piece of latin lore that i haven't seen yet but everything else i've seen i've seen the all of the movies the direct-to-video sequels which aren't half bad but they're you know still direct-to-video sequels uh i've seen the uh, broadway show i've seen whatever else there is um so yeah so latin original versions of the you story you forgot one what the live action one. Oh yeah Ugh. What a disgrace to me. Um, but yeah, so Aladdin, in the original concept of the story, had three friends, Babcock, Omar, and Kasim, who do make an appearance in the Broadway show, so that's kind of cool that they brought that back. Uh, but yeah, he was just going to originally have these three friends instead of a monkey. Um, Babcock, Omar, Aladdin, Kasim. So this movie went through a lot of revisions, as most movies do. Like It's not like they just right out of the gate have this idea, and then it, it's exactly what is implemented into the actual movie. Um, and I'm pretty sure, so, also, uh, character designs were a big thing, uh, a big debate. Obviously, it was an animated movie, so, there are, the characters go through a lot of design changes and whatnot, and, uh, originally the genie looked a lot weirder, 
kind of, and he looked, uh, you could probably look up pictures, actually, uh, like early designs of the genie, uh, you could probably find those online, they're pretty weird, um, like, he just kind of looks a little bit more, like, hipstery, and, like, kind of like a, uh, I forget the word they used to describe him, but you, you'll probably, you can look up pictures, and you can see what I'm talking about, um, uh, so the genie had kind of weirder concepts, and Aladdin was originally supposed to be a lot younger. Glenn Keane, the supervising animator of Aladdin, actually wanted him to uh, be a lot younger because he had animated a lot of you know these bigger, stronger, like more muscular, more in-your-face characters. And he, for this movie, he was like, I kind of like I want to I kind of want to make a more uh, draw uh, design a more nimble, like smaller character younger guy uh so he was kind of designing a younger smaller uh like i don't know i guess scrawnier aladdin you could say um but then jeffrey katzenberg got wind of that and he did not like that he said he didn't what what uh what jeffrey katzenberg the head of disney feature animation at the time if he didn't know what he thought was why why his problem was why would jasmine be with aladdin like, if he's so scrawny and little, he was like, I, I see why he would want to get with her, but why would she ever want to be with him? Because he's so small and, you know, not anything important. And so he was like, it's kind of like Michael J. Fox and Julia Roberts. He says, he said, it's kind of like Michael J. Fox and Julia Roberts. You don't want to do Michael J. Fox and Julia Roberts. You want to do Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts. So actually... He just straight up insulted Michael J. Fox, and I will never forgive him for that. Well, it's kind of like, you know, like she's a lot older than he is. I know, but still, I'm, not, I'm still going to be mad at him for life. Or she's not that. a lot older than he is, but she's still, no, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, he's like, yeah, it's kind of like Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts. You want to do Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts, not Michael J. Fox and Julia Roberts. So, actually, if you look, uh, Aladdin kind of resembles Tom Cruise slightly uh, because they wanted to make him look more like Tom Cruise so then he could impress Princess Jasmine. Um <laughs> And actually, in certain sequences, earlier sequences in the film that were animated, Aladdin looks a little bit younger. Like, specifically when he first uh, grabs the lamp. If you look, when he's walking up the stairs and grabbing the lamp, he looks a lot younger, or a little bit younger than he does in the whole rest of the movie. Other other sequences, too, like uh, Friend Like Me and, like, the Cave of Wonders. Basically, the Cave of Wonders sequences were the first things that were animated for the movie. And you can tell because Aladdin looks a little bit younger, and Genie's ears, if you look, the little pointy ears, are actually a little bit shorter than they are in the entire rest of the movie uh, because those were earlier designs. And later they changed them to make one Aladdin look older and more like Tom Cruise, and Genie's ears a little bit longer for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but Aladdin does resemble Tom Cruise. But another inspiration piece for Aladdin was... Um, MC Hammer. No. Right. MC Hammer for the pants. Yes, for his, those big baggy pants that he has. I was trying to remember the name, but yeah, I think it's MC Hammer. Uh, those big baggy pants that he has are inspired by MC Hammer. Apparently he would wear those um, a lot on, on wherever he was going or whatever he was doing. Um, so that's, the, that's early concept. And also early concept of the story, like, like I mentioned, it was going through a lot of revisions. Uh, Aladdin's mom was in the story for a while, and you can actually look at deleted scenes where she's like, they did storyboards of her in the movie, and he, she was actually going to be a big part. Uh, also, Abu was not going to be in the original version. It was just going to be Aladdin's three friends uh, named Babcack, Omar, and Kasim, but those were cut out. Because I think somewhere down the line was um, an event that they call Black Friday, uh, 
in the production of Aladdin because somewhere down the line of production, they showed it to some investors or something like that, I believe, um, and they did not like the movie at all. And it was even in question if the movie was going to be made anymore uh, because they did not like the movie so much. Um, so they, it was it was like a big thing. So they had to rework a lot of things, rework a lot of story issues. To where we get, I'm pretty sure that's where we got kind of the version of the story that we have in the actual movie is because of this event called Black Friday where investors and the people they were showing it to did not like the movie whatsoever. And so they just like they despised it and um, it was even in question if it was going to get made anymore. Um, so I think that that's basically all of the production leading up to the movie. Uh, almost all of it, except we haven't talked, obviously, about one key thing about this movie that is probably why it is so remembered throughout all time and space and in history, and that is Robin Williams as the genie. Now, there's one big question that I'm sure that most people have uh, when watching this movie, and if you know anything about Robin Williams, probably most people would sit here and go, okay, so how much of this, I just sound a Canadian, so... Um, so how much of this is improvisation by Robin Williams and how much of it is actually scripted? And the directors say that um, the, for the genie, not a single word is improv. It's all scripted. That's what they say, apparently. Um, like they, but the thing, and that may seem surprising, but uh, what they said was that they wrote the script with Robin Williams in mind to play the genie. Um, so as they were writing it, they were like, okay, well, we were pretty sure that we could get Robin Williams to play this character. Uh, so, um, we're, we kind of writing it, tailoring it to what Robin Williams would do. So, but the peddler scene in the beginning of the movie is actually a little bit different because, um, uh, it's actually a little bit different because what that scene was where he's like li listing off all these things ah so and so and it also makes Hulian fries see uh that was actually record taken from recordings of robin williams just put in this room with a microphone for like four hours and they just gave him a bunch of props and he was just sitting there improving like oh look at this uh, and they just took those the best of those recordings those improvisations and put them into the movie and put them into the scene that we know. And you can basically tell, you can kind of tell that it's um, uh, kind of improv-y, if you know what I mean. Um, you can just definitely, you can kind of tell that it's improvisation uh, for that scene in the beginning. Uh, but also, if you're wondering, what, Robin Williams voices the, the, the guy at the beginning of the movie, the peddler, as it's called? Yes, and that is because originally they were going to show a, a scene at the end of the movie uh, they were actually going to show the peddler turn into the genie, and it was going to be revealed that the peddler was the genie, or is the genie, or, yeah, probably was the genie. This was 30 years ago. Um, so that was actually going to be revealed, and that's something that people had theorized for a little bit, like, oh, is that actually the peddler? But, yes, it was actually going to be the genie. Um, but they just cut it because they said that they saw people, like, in the pre-screenings of the movie, uh, they were going to show... They had planned to show the peddler as the genie, but they already saw people like <laughs> getting their hats on and getting their coats off the racks and leaving, and they just thought, well, everyone's just going to be leaving by the time the movie's done, so there's not really any need to put this there. So I think it kind of works better, maybe, because it's like subtly implied, which I you know think... know what I think? What? I think 
They should have left it in. You think that they should have left it in? Yes. Why? Because those are pre-screening people. That doesn't mean, just because they did it, doesn't mean that the audience is going to do the same thing. Yeah, well, I still think that the movie probably works better. I mean, it, it works good. It's a very satisfying ending to the movie. But I still think that they should have left it in there. Because if they were intending to do it, you shouldn't leave it open. Well, I think it makes the movie more... It makes it more intriguing. Like, it makes you think about it a little bit. Like, oh, is that the genie or is it not? I don't know because they didn't tell me. Um, which, of course, if you know this behind-the-scenes information, then that kind of spoils the intrigue. But um, it just kind of like to people who don't know, it's kind of like, oh, is that the genie or is it not? I don't really know. Um, so I feel like, in my opinion, I think it might work better that they didn't. Yeah, I still think they should have kept it in. But, oh, well, that's just how life works. Yeah. <laughs> there's There's some things in movies where I'm like... Well, why'd you cut that out? That would've been super cool. But I mean, I feel that same way about the Avengers take a knee scene that was deleted from Endgame. Oh yeah, I think that should have been. That was awesome. Eh, I don't know. I felt so much watching that, even though it's deleted. I felt so much watching it. I think that should have been in the movie. If you don't know what he's talking about, he's talking about there's a deleted scene. There's a deleted from... scene from Endgame. Long story short, deleted scene from Avengers Endgame, where after Tony Stark snaps, all the Avengers take a knee, and they cut it because they already had the funeral scene, so they didn't. They felt like they would defeat the purpose, but still. I understand why they did it, but I still think that taking DC was awesome, and they should have kept it in. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, yeah, I, I think I finally, I, I, I probably agree with them on that one. But anyway, back to Aladdin. Uh, so the peddler, the peddler is was originally supposed to be revealed as a genie, but they just kind of left it open, um, what to whether he was or not. Also, I didn't mention everything in production because there was the music. The music is a very big part of the movie, obviously, because it's a musical. Um, and the, okay, so the music was done by Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, as we mentioned in the Beauty and the Beast episode, uh, Howard Ashman, who did the lyrics, really wanted to work on Aladdin, like, that was, like, what he really wanted to do, and they had him do Beauty and the Beast, and he was kind of against it, but he eventually did turn around to actually enjoying it, uh, before he died, because he was, um, uh, HIV positive, um, and he actually did work on stuff for Aladdin before um, he died. So the songs in the movie that are done by Howard Ashman are actually not One Jump Ahead. I thought it was, but it's not. We have Arabian Nights is, is lyrics by Howard Ashman. We also have Friend Like Me is lyrics by Howard Ashman. Uh, Friend Like Me, and I think that's it. So that's Arabian Nights, Friend Like Me, and Prince Ali are Howard Ashman. And then One Jump Ahead and A Whole New World are Tim Rice. And also Jafar's version of Prince Ali is Tim Rice as well as the... Uh, Wasn't there a longer version of the Jafar villain song? Well, no. Okay, so originally in that scene, they tossed around the idea. It was supposed to be a full song, but they just felt for time. Like, there were so many things that were going to be in this movie that they wanted to have in, but they cut for time because, like, literally this they, they were like cutting frames because they just needed to sacrifice it for the t- runtime of the movie to keep it concise it should have kept it as a sequence that song would have been so much that song would have been all the more better for us to see and there was actually multiple different versions of that song like it wasn't they there was going to be original songs that were actually lyrics written by tim rice which actually so after howard ashman died he did lyrics for prince ali friend like me and arabian nights but uh, then he died, and so they had more songs to do, and so they brought in Tim Rice, who was a different guy, to do the lyrics to work with Alan Menken, um, who is the composer who did the music for the movie. Um, and 
in that scene where Jafar becomes the Sultan and the Sorcerer, uh, where he gets control of the lamp, there was there were multiple different versions. They would toss around actually doing a full song, uh, and there was you could actually find. I think it's on Disney Plus. Actually, you can look at uh, bonus features section of Aladdin, and it's I forget what the name of the song was, but they it was actually going to be a full length song, but they cut it for time, and they just ended up settling on doing a reprise of Prince Ali with Jafar uh, singing it. And that was done by Tim Rice. So that is, uh, I'm pretty sure that's everything again. And also, so let's, so at the beginning of this movie, we have Arabian Nights, right? And Arabian Nights was cut, um, or it was, it was trimmed, it was changed in the version of Aladdin that we know today. In the original 1992 version of Aladdin, the lyrics were a bit different. Um, instead of, I come from a land, it's a far away place, with a caravan, oh my goodness, that was the worst time for me to burp, um, with a caravan and camels roam, where it's hot and intense, immense, where it's flat and, and immense, immense, and the heat is intense, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Yeah, so that is the version that we know today, but originally it was, um, where they cut yeah. off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, yeah. but hey, it's home. That was the original. Oh, version. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, I come from a land. It's a faraway place. It's, uh, it caravan camels roam. Rome, and then where, where they, they cut, cut off, off your, your ear, ear if, if they, they don't, don't like your face. face. It's, it's barbaric, barbaric, but hey, it's home. And also it later in the song, in like the second verse. And also in the version that we see in the movie, it's very shortened. Like, they cut out a whole second verse in, tri- in a bridge, and you can actually listen, I think on Spotify, actually, you can find the original version, um, and in the second verse, they say, where they hack off your lips if they don't like your smile. It's like they literally rip off your lips if they don't like the way you smile. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some other stuff in there, too. So that was considered offensive, so in later versions of Latin, they had to cut it out. Um, but apparently there were still CDs back then of the yeah. original version of the song. Yeah, which I would really like to hear. Because the version that I've heard is the original lyrics, but they're sung by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. I'd actually like to hear it sung by Bruce Adler, which yes, or no, actually I should say no, that is not Robin Williams singing Arabian Nights. Um, that is actually a guy named Bruce Adler who sings that song. It's not Robin Williams singing there. He does sing in Friend Like Me... But for whatever reason, he just decided not to sing Arabian Nights. Because actually... Well, he also sings Prince Ali. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and not, oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, he does. Um, which, if you didn't know, Robin Williams was actually afraid to sing in Friend Like Me. He was afraid of singing uh, because he had never done it before. But the directors encouraged him by saying, well, you can impersonate all these people, so why don't you just impersonate some kind of singer or something? Uh, so I don't think he really impersonated anyone when he sang. Um, he just kind of sang in his own way, and, and it turned out really well, obviously, because that's my favorite song of the movie. The most popular one, of course, is A Whole New World, of course. Uh, but I think I still think Friend Like Me is the best song. And If Robin Williams didn't die, I wonder if they would have gotten him back for the live-action one. They would have had to. There would be no other way. If he like The only reason they got Will Smith was because Robin Williams was dead. <laughs> if they didn't get... If Robin Williams wasn't dead, they would have to get him back. Because, like, there's no other way. There's no other way. Yes, well, yeah, they probably would have gotten Like, they, they can't. 
Like, the only excuse is that Robin Williams was dead. They could not physically get him to do the part in the live-action remake. If he was alive and well, then they, pro- they, they should have, at least. They probably would have. Because they got James Earl Jones back to do uh, Mufasa. So. And supposedly they're getting Chris Sanders back to stay so they have to. Yeah, if they didn't, then that'd be dumb. Um, so we have Arabian Nights. And, uh, again, as I already said, Robin Williams improvised most of that scene. Um, and so the Cave of Wonders, I just want to mention this. So the Cave of Wonders, that's a tiger head, right? No, it's a lion head. Tiger. Oh, yeah, it's a tiger head. Uh, the tiger head is actually CG computer-generated animation. Um, and there's a few other parts of, of this movie that are that are computer-animated. Uh, I already mentioned this before. They started in Great Mouse Detective implementing computers to help with animation, stuff that the animators, would it would be really hard for them to animate. They could just do with the computer, and it would work out much better. Like They could do moving shots and dolly shots, which are, if you don't know what dolly is, it's so when you put a camera on a little like cart and have it oops, on a little cart and have it go along a track, moving forward or backwards or side to side to get a shot. Uh, so they actually do like those kinds of shots where the camera is actually moving through space because they could use computers and just have the computers track the animation. Uh, and they did use that in certain scenes here in Aladdin, like specifically the the after Abu grabs the uh, forbidden uh, treasure. And him and Aladdin are escaping the Cave of Wonders. There's a lot of elements in that scene that are computer-generated. Um, like, the bubbles and the lava are computer-generated. And most of the walls, when they're flying through the little cavern, are computer-generated. Um, just to Because, again, it's moving camera shots. That would be hard to do with real people. Um, but also, the entire head of the Cave of Wonders is animated by a computer. Just to give it that extra three-dimensional effect. And I think it works very well. I think it works very well all the time when they're doing these, when they're using computers to help with animation and implementing it into hand-drawn animation. Like, the computers greatly helped uh, 2D animation, especially with Klaus. Like, that, uh, like we've talked about Klaus before on the podcast. It's a fantastic, beautiful animation movie uh, that computers greatly advanced the, form, the media of animation uh, which is stuff that Disney should have been doing, but they weren't because they love CG animation. Um, so the Cave of Wonders is actually 3D animated, and that's pretty cool. Um, and after that, we get the introduction to Aladdin because we need to find the diamond and the rough and one jump ahead, which is lyrics are done by Tim Rice. And I definitely, I say, I think I said that uh, on the Beauty and the Beast episode. I think that I said that I thought that the Howard Ashman uh, lyrics are a lot better than Tim Rice, and then. Uh, I think I'd still stand by that, but Tim Rice's lyrics are still very, very good. Like he's, st- you can just tell that he's he's got this wheelhouse of fun words and and just clever, um, uh, fun lyrics to these songs. And they're, I, I wouldn't say they're as clever and good as um, uh, Howard Ashman's lyrics, but they still are very good. I still like them a lot. Uh, I think he's a very worthy successor to Howard Ashman because I just think that Howard Ashman is probably the best lyricist that Disney's ever had. Uh, he just did such a good job with the songs. But Howard, or Tim Rice is still a uh, close second. No, I don't know. He's he's still very good nonetheless. Uh, One Jump Ahead, fun, you know, sequence. Um, and 
Jasmine, the scene with Jasmine, I don't think there's really anything too big there. Except for a behind-the-scenes fact, Frank Welker is the voice of the Cave of Wonders and also the voice of Raja and Abu, uh, and he's also the voice of Scooby-Doo. He has been for the past, like, uh, how long is it, Jake? Like, 20 years, I think. Well, no, well, not, oh, yeah, because he wasn't the original voice of Scooby-Doo. No, he, was, he was Frank. He was Fred. I mean, yeah, Fred. He's been Fred since day one. Yeah. And then, then later and, he got Scooby. Yeah, and then he, he started voicing Scooby-Doo. Uh, so he's been Scooby-Doo for a while now. But uh, So he was also the voice of the monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones 1. Uh, he played that And movie. the monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark influenced Abu. So. Yeah, they took inspiration from Spielberg, definitely in Aladdin. Like, specifically when Aladdin grabs the lamp. That scene is heavily influenced by when Indiana Jones grabs the idol at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's been parodied countless times, though. Yeah, and they actually went to Steven Spielberg and were like, "We're sorry that we, you know, we that we copied your scene." He was like, "Oh yeah, I stole that from a ton of other movies too." So he didn't really care. So um, also, he gave influence on the action and the adventure side of Aladdin. He gave lots of helpful tips. Steven Spielberg was a pretty big influence on the making of Aladdin. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, his advice, specifically one nugget of advice that he gave was when Aladdin and Abu and Jasmine are in Aladdin's little warehouse, or you know, not warehouse, but like his rundown apartment type place, and Aladdin and Jasmine are having these heartfelt moments, Steven Spielberg's advice was, whenever things get too mushy, cut to the monkey. And you can see like whenever things might start to get a little bit too mushy, 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 not mushy. mushy. Yeah, mushy. They'll cut to Abu and have him do something silly in the background. So, Steven Spielberg was a big influence on uh, the making of Aladdin. Basically, what Steven Spielberg told him to do in that show was when things get too mushy and too much love scenes, cut to Abu and have him do some monkey business. Wow. Okay. Um, so, anyway. Life lessons in the front 101. We get the introduction of Jasmine. Um, when she based off of someone's sister? Right! Yes! Okay, thank you. So I was wondering why you didn't mention that. So, Mark Henn is the animator, supervising animator of Jasmine. If you don't know what the supervising animator is, which, why don't you? What rock are you living under? I'm just kidding. Um, so, Mark Henn is the supervising animator of Jasmine. And what that means is that... He designed Jasmine, and he animates most of the scenes that Jasmine is in. Uh, so he he designed Jasmine, and what he did was he was I think he was trying to look at pictures of Middle Eastern women. I think is what he was trying to do to base off of to design the look of Jasmine. And then I think what he said was that then he started thinking of his sister, and he thought his sister would be a great uh inspiration for the look of jasmine so what he did was he actually pulled out his wallet and in his wallet he had a picture of his sister and he just looked at that and drew a design for jasmine and that's basically what ended up being in the movie was um this design of jasmine so actually his sister like i think the year the movie came out her and her uh children dressed up like she dressed up as jasmine and then like her son dressed up as aladdin or maybe it was her husband i don't i remember uh, but like they all dressed up as Aladdin characters because she basically is Jasmine. And if you look up pictures of her, she kind of does resemble uh, Jasmine quite a bit. Didn't um, Mark Kent, like what's his, what's his, what's her name? Mark Hen. Didn't he animate like other Disney princesses? I'm pretty sure. He yeah, did. he animated Belle. Yeah. He was a supervising animator of Belle. He was a supervising animator of uh, Ariel. And I think he was Mulan too. 
Mm, I don't think so. I think he was. There was this. I know this. There's this website. I looked. I used to do this all the time. I used to like look up supervising animator for someone, and then I'd find his website. It tells them who all they did for. But keep, yeah, no. Keep talking. But no, he was the. Uh, he was a big in the Renaissance period. He was big on doing female characters because he just he captured the female like mannerisms and little like details and things that they do very perfectly like just the the way that um girls move and stuff like he he's very good at animating girl characters and so he was i knew it he, he did there. animate mulan oh okay gazelle what gazelle and T- oh he did tiana yeah okay yeah I, I knew this it's just it's been a while since i've looked at it so he was yeah he was kind of the go-to um uh princess female guy because um, he was very good at it. Like, all of these characters are so well animated. Um, and he was just very a very good um, animator when it comes to that stuff. So he was uh, very good. Um, and, right, so you were saying before I mentioned the sister thing. Uh, so we get the introduction to Jasmine. Also, if I want to point out, this is something that gets neglected in the movie, but what they kind of imagined for the hierarchy of how Agrabah works, and they never mentioned this in the movie, and it's just kind of, you know, whatever. But... What they imagined was the houses that lived closer to the palace were the richest people in Agrabah. And then kind of as you got further away from the palace, the um, the houses and the people were poorer and they didn't have as much money until Aladdin basically lives on the outskirts of the Agrabah because he's one of the poorest guys there. So um, that's kind of the social hierarchy of Agrabah as they <laughs> envisioned it. And they never... They never mention it in the movie, but that's how they designed it. Um, that's a visual storytelling. Mm, no, but I mean, and there's tons of stuff like this that goes into a movie that they like, like oh, and then this is how everything works, and then they don't explain it in the movie, and it, unless you look really hard at it and study it, you'll never ever like realize it until you know you find out about it or someone tells you about it or you look into it. And just little details like these that build out the world and the atmosphere really well. Uh, I think they did a good job of that. And um, we also get uh, – we have one jump ahead. We have Aladdin and Jasmine running away and stuff. Um, also, I think that Cog, you know, when Iago's running and when J- uh, Jafar's looking through the sands of time to find Aladdin, uh, I think that's also 3D computer animated as well. Probably was. Um, also, Iago – uh, by played by Gilbert Gottfried. He's funny. I like Iago. Uh, I forget who the supervising animator was. I forget his name, but he was Gilbert Gottfried was very good. He's, a, I mean, he's a funny guy. Um, I think he played Iago very well. He kind of, yeah, he's very good. I, I like Iago a lot. Uh, we also have Jonathan Freeman as Jafar, which he I is mean, amazing. Come on. Jonathan Freeman as Jafar is perfect. He's he's so good. He's just a, such a fun, uh, like, uh. Almost charismatic, kind of like in the way that he yeah, does. He's, he's very sinister, but you like him, kind of. You love to hate him. He's one of those villains that you love to hate, like most Disney villains in the Renaissance. Like they're so like Hades, like they're so fun to watch, and they're very charming, charismatic. Like you like them, but they're also they're very sinister, so you don't like them at the same time. Or insidious. Yeah, like they're so be- they do such evil things, but they're so fun about it that it's like, yeah, we know that they're bad. So but- it's just a good old fashioned. Bad exactly. guy just because he wants to be the bad guy. Yeah, there's no there's no big twist. It's not like, ooh, it's him. What? He seemed like the good guy the whole time, and there's no like evil motivation or big backstory behind why he did it, why he did what he did. 
Um, it's just a good old-fashioned evil guy who does very evil things, but does them in such a fun way that you love to hate them for what they do. Um, so, and even because of this, like there was a huge amount of controversy. Like, well, actually, not controversy, but there was a huge amount of mixed reactions to the one in the live-action movie. Like, and everyone was yeah. saying, he, and like the big criticism was he's not as threatening or evil as the evil as the animated Jafar. Yeah, because this is what I say. I say. Um, what it looks like in the movie, because you said that uh, in reshoots they added scenes where he was. Yeah, they added the well scene, like where he kicks the guy down the well. That was added in reshoots, trying to make him more evil. Yeah, exactly. So that's what. So I think that they tried to make him kind of more like a twist villain, like because they're introducing it to a younger audience who've probably never seen Aladdin when the remake came out. Uh, so uh, they don't know the story at all. So if so if they just come in and be like. Oh, we're gonna make him a twist villain. So it's like he seems good the whole time, and then he turns, and it's the evil reveal. And you're like, what? Um, so it looks like they tried to do that, but then people were complaining they didn't look evil at all. He just looked wimpy, which he is. Uh, so they were like, oh, um, uh, let's uh, add in a scene where he's evil and he pushes a guy down the well. So just kind of like. Yeah, we know that he's evil, and the characters are just like, "What? He's evil!" And they play more like in the in the original Aladdin, they get so surprised that Jafar is evil. But like, really, you're just like, he's he's a bad guy the whole time. Like, why did you not catch on beforehand? He's very yeah. black. Yeah, in the movie, like, you can definitely be like, "Oh yeah, well he's evil." Like, why are the characters so surprised? But in the remake, the, it feels like they emphasize that, and the characters are like, "Oh my goodness!" It almost seems like the audience is supposed to be surprised as well. So I, I feel like they were just trying to make him a twist villain, and then they were like, oh, people don't like that he's not evil, so let's add in an evil scene. And then it just doesn't work. Well, he does do the hypnotism scene, so maybe I think that kind of disproves that, because he does do a hypnotism, a hypnotism thing before he meets Aladdin. Oh. So... Well, I don't know, but like anyway, either way, he's just dumb. And no offense to the actor that plays him either. I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he's a great actor. I'm sure he's fine. He's probably good in other things, but this but just nice. It wasn't even his fault, just the executive crew behind Aladdin. And also, Iago was botched in the remake as well. Well, that's when they're grounding everything. But anyway, back to the original and continue. Okay, so Iago is a very fun character. All of these characters are fun and lively. That's why that's part of the reason why I love it so much. Every character is so memorable for having these distinct personalities that you enjoy and that you like. Um, even without the genie, the characters are still lively enough and different enough and distinct that you can remember them. Uh, so. We have Iago and Jafar, just very fun duo. And the themes in this movie that are um, represented in the color-wise. So when Jafar is on screen, usually you get these longer, uh, more straight lines for the designs of stuff in the background or just the scenery. Like everything's longer, everything's straighter, more straight. Um, and everything has more of a red tone. Because in this movie, there's four colors that represent the different types of people groups in this movie. There's red represents evil because in the desert heat is um, a very big enemy, so it's like it represents heat for being evil. Uh, and then there's blue, which is g good guys, obviously, um, because water in the desert is very hard to find. Uh, so blue is for water, representing good guys. And there's yellow, which is kind of in between, uh, not really good, not really bad. And there's green, which I forget what green is. Um, but uh, those are the four colors of that are in Aladdin for kind of representing what the characters are. So when the far is on screen, there's a lot more uh, 
what do you call it? There's a lot more red usually, and everything's longer, everything's straighter, like I said before. Uh, when Sultan's on screen, there's a lot more yellow because he's kind of not really good, not really bad until the end of the movie when he turns good, obviously, because uh, he erases that pesky law, and um, uh, everything's more like round and, and more like short and and kind of I don't want to say cuddly, but yes, I also do. Uh, to represent the Sultan as being, you know, different from Jafar and being good. And these are kind of the subtle, uh, uh, subconscious color palettes and design choices that you never catch on to, but they influence the way you think about characters and scenes in a movie. Like, if Jafar was just light and, and colorful and cuddly every time that he was on screen, then it would feel cuddly. off. It would feel off that he's the villain. Uh, but since there's these red hues and and everything's darker, everything's more sinister. You actually think it, you actually it 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 convinces you more that he's um, evil. Uh, so also the genie. Okay, I'm just gonna talk about the genie now. I don't even care anymore. Uh, the genie. No, wait. Actually, no, not right yet. Not yet. Uh, I also want to talk about so Rasul. Rasul is. The name of the Sultan's, like, head guard. He's the one that's always catching Aladdin. We keep running into each other, street rat. And yes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, his name is Rasul. And no, he didn't miss anything. Uh, in the movie, they don't give him his name. They don't say his name. But his name, canonically, is Rasul. And he's played by Jim Cummings, who also plays Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and a bunch of other cartoon P- characters. He has a bunch of other people. He's a very popular cartoon voice actor. And he's very good. Uh, so he's also a very fun character, um, as well. He's, he's kind of a, you know, more of a side character, but he still is fun nonetheless. Uh, and yeah, the genie, of course, played by Robin Williams. And this is probably some of Robin Williams' best work. Like this is just, I'd say 70% is Robin Williams because he's an amazing actor, an amazing comedian, so funny. Uh, but yeah, he can also do the heartfelt moments as well in the movie, uh, he, I'd say 70% is him, but also 30% would be the animation on Genie. Really heightens Robin Williams' performance and makes it as classic as it is. Because the Genie, the supervising animator for the Genie is Eric Goldberg, who is my favorite supervising animator. Because I just think his cartoony squash and stretch uh, nature, he's just got this very distinct style about him. that you can tell when he's animating a character because they're just so lively and... and, and jaunty and bouncy and they just have this nice quality to them and he was a um big fan of this guy i think it was name was al uh hitchcock I, I that's probably not his name i probably botched it but something like that and he was a big caricature artist like he did a lot of caricatures uh just taking people and drawing them in a funny way like to kind of make fun of them or something and and kind of like parodying the way they look uh by drawing them so he was a big fan of that parody guy uh caricature the art of the character which you, you guys should probably know what a caricature is by now and so what eric goldberg would do is he was a big fan of that so when robin williams that's why when robin williams imitated someone while he was recording eric goldberg would literally draw the genie as turning his face into that guy into the person that he was impersonating uh and so that's why the genie i think that, that that's a certainly a big part of why the genie is so remembered because the animation as well as robin williams performance is so on point and so awesome and i think a lot of people say and even jake you said this you're like that must have been so hard for them they must have been so tired of animating there it's so hard for them to capture robin williams's performance 
but actually, according to Eric Goldberg, it was a whole lot of fun. It was so... I did say that. That made it a lot more fun for him to try and, you know, capture Robin Williams' for performance in the form of uh, a drawing in an animation, in a cartoon. So uh, to him, it was like one of his favorite things that he's ever done. And it, that's the one that he's always asked to draw, apparently, all the time. It's the genie. Oh, can you draw the genie for me? Can you do the genie? That's it. I think that's his most popular character that he's ever done. And rightfully so. Like, that's definitely the best. Because if you don't know other characters that he's done, is Phil from Hercules um, and Lewis, the gator from Princess and the Frog. Both are good characters, but neither are really are nearly as good as the animation wise they're probably on par again not as good because robin williams's performance is so central to how that character is remembered and how awesome or how much people remember it and how much people love the genie because of robin williams's performance he was just so good uh and the impersonations were not in the script um it's he definitely that that was him adding in his own robin williams flair um, he was just, I mean, there's not, uh, there's not really much to say from me that hasn't already been said by countless people before. Robin Williams' performance in this movie is probably one of the best performances in animation history, like, period. And, in my opinion, because I love Robin Williams so much, and because I love this movie so much, one of the best performances in movie history, um, in my opinion, personally. I think that this is a fantastic performance and as well as fantastic animation as well to go along with it. Uh, and it is just so well done. And um, the design is nailed perfectly. There's a few weird designs. Again, if you look up on Google, like early designs of Genie, he did look a little weird at first, but I think it definitely, um, you know, straightened out. And he, in this in iconic design with iconic animation and iconic performance done by Robin Williams, just the perfect mix to make a perfect character um, that has this desire to be free, which is a very good um, uh, element to add into the plot, that genie wants to be free. He doesn't want to be a genie entrapped to, uh, enslaved to a master anymore. He wants to be free to make his own decisions and stuff. Which uh, Some people ask, like, why does the genie still have his powers after he's free? Which I'm like, it didn't take away his powers. It just took away his... Uh, him being enslaved to a master. Like, he didn't take away his powers. Honestly, I kind of like the idea of him losing his powers better. Honestly. I feel like so you like the ending in the remake better? Uh, no, I'm not saying it's the ending. Is I'm saying the idea I like better. Really? Because I feel like that's kind of a... That's kind of, that makes him feel more free. He doesn't have those powers. Well, but then has... at the same time, the motives for each for both genies were different. Like... Live action one, he was wanting to be human, and the animated one, he was just wanting to be free. Yeah, he still. Yeah, I think. So he's I still... can look past that, but still, I kind of like that. I still kind of feel like that idea is good. Uh, when he's free, then he just goes back to being a human. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's definitely. I think I like that he still has his powers, because the character that they established in the Aladdin 1992 movie. He um. Like, yeah, he's just this free spirit that's... I mean, the, the movie takes place in... Uh, I don't know when, but, like, early early century. And he's making all these references to people from the 19, like 1980s and 90s. That doesn't really make any sense, but uh, that's, what people can just assume is that the genie just sees all of time and space. All right, Sparky, here's the deal. You want to quit the, the little lady? lady? You want to be a, a sharp straight, shooter, do you? Straight, got it. A straight shooter, not a sharp shooter. 
All right. It's Jack Nicholson, Aladdin's favorite actor. Yeah. And then the, the director makes fun of how, like, Genie's making all these references, doing all these things, and, Aladdin, and all of them just go straight over Aladdin's head. Like, he never asks once, why do you do that? Like, what, what are you doing, Genie? Like, he, all of this stuff just goes straight over his head. He doesn't ask a single question. Like, a Genie's like, all right, Sparky. You're like, tell her the truth. Like, what? What kind of crazy person does that? And Aladdin's just like, and also he's just like, all right, Sparky, here's, here's the deal. deal. Or he completely changes his face. Yeah, exactly. And he shoots off a finger like, gun. I can't believe it. I'm losing to a rug. It's like, Latin has no clue. Like, why does the genie turn into a... I mean, I guess because he's a genie. He can do whatever he wants. I guess that doesn't really phase Latin that much, but like... He's like... Even huh? still, when he comes out of the lamp, he's like... Oh, everybody, nice to be, nice to be back on the show. Hi, hi, what's your name? Aladdin. Aladdin. I also feel like that the... I wish Robin Williams would have imperfect would have made... Would have, like, mocked Aladdin like Will Smith did. I feel like Robin Williams could have done something funny with that. You want Robin Williams to mock... Or to copy Will Smith? Well, Will Smith wouldn't... It wouldn't even... definitely be copying, because he would have done it first if he did do it. So, ha. I wish you Logic. Would. I guess that would be a cool idea, but I don't know. I mean, he probably would do something a lot funnier. I mean, he also does the Pinocchio reference when he goes... Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, sure. Whoop! Which is actually a reference to... It's a double reference. Not just a reference to Pinocchio, but it's also a reference to something that Robin Williams would do on his stand-up comedy when he would... He, that actually would be part of his uh, little skit thing. He would go, oh yeah, whoop! He'd actually do it, like, except do it with his hand, of course. Not His face wouldn't turn into Pinocchio because, sadly enough, Robin Williams does not have that power, although he should. Um, I feel like he should just have the genie's power. That would yeah, be funny. like in real life, Robin Williams should just have genie's powers. Well, had, should have had. He kind of did, in a way. Yeah, I guess. He was basically just the genie in real life. He's so funny. I yeah. miss you, Rob Williams. Um, so yeah, I made that very clear, though. So uh, that was actually something that he would do on his little comedy skits was that uh, whole Pinocchio shtick. Um, I and... got strings, and now I'm free. There are no strings on me. So we have the Sultan. Uh, the Sultan's a fun character. I think he... yeah, yeah, he's a little bit of a bumbling doofus. It doesn't really make any sense. But he's, he's a good character, though. It doesn't really make any sense why he would be the ruler of this... Uh, why like, is this guy like a ruler of Agrabah? Yeah. Like, the question that, like, based on the Sultan act, the, how the, on the way the Sultan acts in this movie, right? Why is this city even still standing? Like, <laughs> like with this guy in charge, about fifty different armies could have come in and trampled all over the whole city. And he's like four foot. Also, my my question is, why doesn't Jafar just mind control him to let him be Sultan? Like, he has that magic staff thing. He can just be like, yeah, he done that the you will time. make me sultan. I will make you sultan. He goes, thank you, sire. Now don't belong to the dungeon. He goes, that would be very good. <laughs> yeah, like, that. Uh, but, you know, it's things like that that you can think about. You can poke holes in, but really. It How should have been? They should have done that. They should have. The, the history was not very good. No, it wasn't. But they should have done that idea of, like, he mind controls. The Sultan to let him be Sultan. That would have been a clever hitchy, but yeah. they're not clever. They never post anything anymore because they're lazy. But anyway, uh, the Sultan is a fun no character offense. nonetheless, though. He's a, he's a fun character. Um, every character is fun. They just all kind of contrast and, and differ each other and add a lot to the dynamic of when uh, certain characters are all in a room together and just interacting. They all have 
contrast and uh, differ with each other differently enough to where, and they all stand out distinctly to where when they're interacting with each other, it's so fun to see. Like, specifically the scene when Aladdin, uh, Prince Ali first arrives on the scene, him, Sultan, and Jafar are all just kind of, like, interacting and bouncing back and forth. That's just fun to see because the, each character is distinctly different. Like, and they all have their distinct personalities and worldviews and, and the ways that they act and think about things. That when they're in a room together, it's just fun to see them interact just with each other. where did you say you are from? Oh, uh, somewhere much farther than you traveled, I'm, I'm sure. Try, Try me. me. <laughs> uh, yes, Prince Abu 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 Whatever. What they say? Oh, also, the Prince Ali scene. I just want to give a little tidbit about this. So, actually, in the studio, when Robin Williams was recording, he would actually sing a made-up song. Like, he would just make it up as he was going on. He would sing the song called Prince Jeffrey, about Jeffrey Katzenberg, the head of animation. Uh, he would actually just make up this song as he's, like, singing as he's going on called Prince Jeffrey. He said, Prince Jeffrey. And they never said... I never heard what exactly Prince Jeffrey entailed, but he would, like, sing a parody of... Prince Ali and called Prince Jeffrey after Jeffrey oh, Um So I would have really liked to hear what the song entailed, but uh, never have. So, unfortunately, I can't hear. Well, I will say this about the Prince Ali scene. I think the Prince Abubu scene has overstated his welcome. We should talk about another scene. Well, you should. What do you mean it's overstated his welcome? We talked about it for like 30 seconds. Okay, yeah, but anyway, after that we have the A Whole New World scene, which lyrics by Tim Rice, and it's the most popular song in the movie. I personally think that a Howard Ashman song should have been number one. But again, Tim Rice is still very good, and uh, A Whole New World, I guess, deserves to be number one. But I don't know. Um, so there you go. Um, so A Whole New World, we have that scene, which is pretty cool. Um and when I was little, and I heard, not when I was little, but this I, I, blah, 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 blah. this movie has only been in my life for like a few years now, so. But when I first saw this movie, I was like, when, well, first of all, when we first saw it, I watched it three times in a row. We did, didn't we? Yeah, I just like, yeah, just like, just repeat for the next few days. Um, and I was just like, when I first saw it, I was like, why does Jasmine, like, she just meets this random stranger of Prince Ali, right? And... He just says, hey, I have a magic carpet. Want to go on a magic carpet ride? And she's just like, oh, yeah, sure. And uh, she just goes, and immediately after that, she falls in love with him, like, completely. I was wondering, why? Why does she, what? Why? That's not how love works. Um, and then, what why I realized. not work like that in today's world? What I realized was, that's kind of how they work in today's world. <laughs> you meet a random stranger, and then you talk with them for five minutes. You're like, ah, I like you. Um, and even, you don't even meet them. You just text them on the internet that's how it works now <laughs> yeah uh so she's so i never understood that but actually what happens is she realizes that it's this guy that she's been hanging out with for a while aladdin like she hung out with aladdin for a while and then now that she realizes that he's prince ali now she's more okay with you know falling in love with him um and also uh yeah she starts she realizes that it's aladdin she doesn't just think that he's some random stranger and also, a magic carpet ride will pretty much make any girl fall in love with you, regardless of anything. <laughs> like notes have been taken. Like think about it. if you just get them, if you take a girl on a magical carpet ride through this, the through your hometown, you're sold. Yeah, she's probably gonna fall in love with you, no matter who you are. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. And again, no, no stereotyping. This isn't like yeah. Ah, girls, man, yeah. Um, it's just like I'm pretty sure that's that's what my mom says anyway. So take it up with my mom. 
Uh, so, uh, so we get that scene, you know, Whole New World. Everyone, yeah, I love Whole New World. Everyone makes fun of the whole, don't you dare close your eyes. So people think, make fun of that because, oh, it's a threat. Which I'm like, Ugh. I mean, I, I, I like to have, you can have fun with that. Be like, oh, ha, 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 it's a threat. He says, don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> uh, but I guess it is kind of funny, but like still, I'm just like, if you dare insult Aladdin, I will burn you. Wow. Why would, I mean, Aladdin is a good character, but still he needs a little bit more meat on this boat. We'll get into that later. Uh, so we get a whole new world, right? And then Jasmine, and then I almost said J- J- Jasmine kidnaps Aladdin. Uh, Jafar, she's <laughs> like, like, oh, magic carpet ride. And she's like, Aladdin, you will you do whatever I say. That kind of be that would kind of be a good plot twist. Actually, Ooh, that'd be cool. She's a secret agent working for Jafar, and then Aladdin convinces her to change her ways, and she actually goes away from Jafar. Actually, no better idea. She says evil the whole time. Boom. No, I'm joking. Your idea is better. Anyway, um. So Jafar has Rasul slap Aladdin, or no, he doesn't slap him. He hits him on the head, and then he dumps him in a lake. And the genie gives Aladdin, or makes Aladdin have a second wish. And everyone's like, "Oh, well, he didn't wish for it, so uh, he shouldn't have done that." I'm just like, and also people make fun of why the genie let Aladdin out of the cave of wonders. That uh, they should have. Been. So everyone's just like, "Oh, the wishes thing is so messed up." I'm just like. That kind of makes sense. And then the remake, they tried to fix all those plot holes that nobody really cares about. They're just kind of making fun of, just to kind of have fun and poke holes in the movie. Uh, and the remake was like, oh, we got to change that. We got to fix all that. Otherwise, everyone will kill us, even though nobody really cared in the first place. And so they have Genie make Aladdin sign a contract uh, to get him out of the water, which I guess is fine. Uh, so Genie takes him out. Genie takes him out of the water. He doesn't take him out. He's all like, all right, Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kills him. Um, uh, so he takes. He, so they go back to Jafar, and then Aladdin faces off against him. Not really. He's just kind of like Jafar. Why don't you tell the Sultan what you've been doing this whole time? And then uh, Jafar disappears with his little smoke bomb, and Aladdin and Jasmine tell the Sultan that they're in love. And then we have the scene, the big breakup, the the bromance breakup between Aladdin and Genie. Uh, because Aladdin is not telling the truth to the people that he loves, and he's also not setting the genie free, and the genie, um, doesn't like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) your line is, genie, I wish you you free. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) And he also pulls out the, 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 like, the whole Aladdin script. Um, for a reason. Well, for a reason. When he's reading him what he's supposed to say. Psst, your line is, I'm going to read a genie. Genie, I set you free. Anytime. And then later it's like, it's not the part of that we played by a tall, dark, and sister, ugly man. <laughs> yeah. There were so many different versions of that. Like, you can look probably on YouTube somewhere. The, the genie, the Robin Williams outtakes. Like, there's so many. And specifically for that scene, there were so many different versions. And I actually liked a few of them better than what he actually ended up... What they actually ended up using in the movie. Like, there was one where he's like, um, Hey, haven't I seen your picture before here in the post office? Side view. Uh, and it was a picture of a wanted poster of Jafar. That would have been way wait. That was have been well. I think they should have used that one. That was funny. Uh, he also did... Uh, oh, man, I forget. Uh, he said something like, 
Oh, I'm sorry. It must be late. The villain party has already left the room or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember that one. That was funny. He also did, he, he did a Michael Jackson beat it reference uh, at the end of the final battle. Like, he was like, he's like, you just gotta beat it, beat it, just beat it. He's wow. like, and, he, and he was like, turning to Michael Jackson, he was like, banging a snake. Nah. Um, so there's so many genie outtakes. You should look them. They're all very funny. Like, one of my favorite ones is that uh, in the final battle, he says, non-violent Al. Turn the other cheek. In fact, turn both cheeks and run. <laughs> it's funny, but That's it's disturbing. Like he literally like turns his uh, lower half of his body around and starts running. Like he's running away, and then his torso is facing behind him. Uh, it's that's a, that's a, that was a really funny one. I really like that one. Um, he also did a. Uh, there was a few more. I forget. Oh yeah, he did an Elmer Fudd reference. Oh yeah. At one point in the Cave of Wonders, he also did, he did Obi Wan Kenobi reference. He's like, "Use the Force, Sal." Oh yeah, yeah, he did Obi Wan Kenobi reference. He also did a Mickey Mouse reference. Uh, I forget what he said, but it was oh, in the Cave Disney, of Wonders. Disney. Yeah, oh yeah, he was he was like, "I I would do so and so," but Disney, Disney. Uh, so anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, we did a part where oh uh, yeah, b- romance breakup, and then Genie gets captured, and then. Prince Ali, yes, it is he, but, but as you know him, just a con, need I go on, take it from me. It's Prince Ali, His personality yes, flaws, give so me much. adequate cause to send him packing on a one-way trip so his assets take a turn and I'll give dip his assets yes. frozen. The venue chosen is the ends of the earth. Woo-wee! So Ex-Prince... Oh, okay, we're going to stop talking now. Um, I feel like you guys got tired of that really quickly. Yeah, um, so basically, <laughs> um, Aladdin tells Jasmine the truth, but not exactly the way he would have liked to. Yeah, Jafar basically tells her for him. And then he gets sent to the ends of the earth, which I never understood that it was like Antarctica or uh, the whatever the northern one is. What's it called? North, North Pole. Or the, Greenland. The, the whole thing is called the North Pole. Is it? I think it's Greenland. The big, the big one on the top of the world. Yes, I think it's that's I think Greenland. It's green. I think it is oh. it. I don't know. I don't Hang know. on, I don't much care. It's one of those places. Uh, the north, the north part of Earth, or the south part of Earth. I never understood that that's where he was, because it goes by so quickly. He says the ends of the Earth would be like that's it. That's all he says. So I never understood that that's where he was. I was like, why is he in the desert but it's snowing? Yeah, it is Greenland. Okay. Uh, I was like, why is he in the desert but it's snowing? Uh, so I never understood that. Uh, but now that I'm like, oh yeah, it's good. So it's one of the North, it's Greenland or Antarctica, whichever one. Um, so then Aladdin uses his quick thinking once again to race back to the palace for one final showdown with Jafar. And he, Jafar has Jasmine and the Sultan captured and Iago is stuffing crackers down Sultan's throat. Like, Pop it really wide, cracker. That's what he says? Yeah. Uh, so that, that was a running gag that the Sultan would be feeding Iago crackers and he didn't like them. And so now he's stuffing crackers down the sun. Which, I love crackers. Why does he not like crackers? Crackers are delicious. They're awesome. They're just a nice snack. Especially with cheese. Mmm, crackers are better without cheese. Of course. Because they get cheesy. So anyway, and then Jafar has Jasmine captured and he wants her to marry him. Which is so weird because he's like, what, 30s, 40s, 50s? And she's like like 16? 16. (laughs) So weird! My age. And she's being forced to marry someone who's 40. Like, imagine that... Like, but like reversed. Like, if I was being forced to somewhat be very someone who was forty, that would be weird. Well, it makes sense for the man to be older. Yeah, that makes more sense. Makes more sense. It doesn't make as much sense because it's like 
again, 30s, 40s, 50s, trying to marry a 16-year-old. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Uh, a little sus. Kind of weird. Um, but like, again, it's a different time. Like it, yeah. it takes place in a different time. So in that time period, it would not have been nearly as weird. So I guess you can, you know, uh, say that. And so the Jesus says, oh, sorry, there's a, a few addendos, uh, some quid pro quos. Don't talk about me, you big blue lot. <laughs> you will do what I order you to do. I love that Slay. line. I love that line. <laughs> Don't talk back to me, you big blue lout. Uh, and then the last thing. He calls him a slave. He says, uh, oh, ah, little buddy. Uh, he's, uh, uh, ow, ow, little buddy. <laughs> yeah. he he's, on, he's on like he's on like uh, helium. He laughs. This at last. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Al, I can't help you. I work for Senior Psychopath now. So many great Robin Williams genie lines. Dude, every line that he says is like a, a quote. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't become a meme at that point in time. Oh, he is a meme. Um, oh, we, well, memes didn't exist in that. Yeah, I'm that he didn't. I'm surprised that he didn't become one. Uh, so uh, we get the final showdown with Aladdin, where Jafar just goes pun crazy, like everything he says is a pun. He's That's like, funny. "Things are unraveling fast now, boy!" As he unravels the magic carpet. Don't toy with me. Turns a la- turns a boo into a toy. <laughs> Not Aladdin. Not Aladdin. <laughs> thankfully. Um, and then get the point. Drops a bunch of swords. And then he turns. He says. You, you goes, fight me, you cowardly no, snake! No, the fire one. He goes, um, what's he gonna say for the fire one? Or he says he said he dropped the hourglass on Jasmine. He says you're out of time, right? Yeah, I think he's like, he's like, like sorry, he's like, nah, princess, your time is up. Oh yeah, right, yeah. I like puns, so I accept those that scene. And then the fire one, I forgot what he says. He goes, things are heating up or something like that. He goes, are you afraid to fight, you cowardly snake? He's like, a snake, snake am I? I? Perhaps you'd like to see how snake-like I can be. And then he turned into a snake. Which he never did in the live-action one, which is a huge misopportunity. <laughs> he also never did the hourglass in the live-action one either. Yeah. Um, which I would have been a little. There was, there was, yeah, they did the weird thing. Where, they just did the dumb thing where he just uses magic. Yeah, to, that's like that's like a CW thing to do, right? Yeah, there. they just use, you just use magic to have her just float in the air. That's like a CW thing to do. Oh, so and then... Oh, wasn't it like originally? Like originally, they were gonna have Jasmine break herself out of the hourglass. Um, I feel like that sounds. I think familiar. I heard. I think I heard it somewhere that like originally she was gonna break out the hourglass herself, but in order to save time, they had Aladdin do it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I remember telling you that. Maybe I think I remember hearing that. Um, so uh, Aladdin does the twist where he says. Where he tricks Jafar into being a genie, a genie wanting to be a genie. Which some people are like, why didn't he think of that? Like. I feel like in this scene he was being overconfident in himself because like yeah like he could have just easily taken Aladdin out and just taken the lamp but he was definitely toying with Aladdin so he was overconfident with himself he's like I'm the most powerful person in the world uh, nothing can really stop me now so he's he just having fun with Aladdin before he yeah, was eventually trying to kill him murder him um, and so I feel like he just didn't think it through because he's like I. I uh, I've, you know, I can't really lose this battle. I don't think so. Uh, and he thought he had won. So I just feel like it's just him, you know, being overconfident um, in himself. And, of course, it leads to his downfall because he wishes to be a genie. And he turns into a genie. And with phenomenal cosmic power, there must also come itty-bitty living space. Oh, this is the <laughs> uh, So he turns into... Poor Yago got dragged into that thing. Yeah. And uh, he's so much better than he is in the remake. In the remake, he's so dumb. 
You got grounded in your like, character. Oh, we gotta make it grounded in reality. If it was grounded in reality, like, I just think it's so... That's my biggest pet peeve with the live-action remake, because they're like, what if it happened in real life? The, the parrot wouldn't be Gilbert Gottfried. I'm like, yeah, you're talking about a story where a boy finds a magical lamp with a magical genie that grants him three wishes where he could get anything that he wants. Like, you're, you're saying that? could You're like, oh, what if it happened in real life? Like, the whole concept is just silly. <laughs> Just make it zany, make it cartoony, but uh, you know whatever. Uh, so Iago and Jafar get sucked into the lamp. Bye bye Iago, bye bye Jafar, and uh, Genie. Says, Come thousand years in the change of wonders, I'll tell you chill him out. In the change of wonders, whatever. Come thousand years in the cave of wonders, I'll to chill him out, and he throws him away to the cave of wonders. And then Aladdin and Jasmine are deciding over their future, and Genie wants to be free. So then Aladdin sets Genie free. And the Sultan realizes that he can change the law uh, after all this time. Uh, great timing, Sultan. Yeah. Um, he's like, Sultan. oh, by the way, I could change the law. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then he changes the law, and Alana and Jasmine can get happily married with you and me. Uh, so then they fly away into the moon, which is, also happens to be Genie's face. And Genie gets us, by, and Genie gets us to look. He tries to make us think that there's going to be a post-credit scene, or a, no, it's a mid-credit scene, right? Yeah, it's like a big. That's what's mid- called credit. So yes, the genie makes us look, and then the movie is over. Major look. Now, this movie is my favorite movie of all time. Just first of all, because of Robin Williams, he's my favorite actor of all time. I love Robin Williams so much. And he's a big part of why this movie is my favorite movie of all time because his performance in this movie is just so awesome, uh, complemented by awesome animation by Eric Goldberg. Uh, so that's definitely a big part of why this is my favorite movie. But I do also think that this movie can stand on its own pretty decently if Robin Williams wasn't uh, such a crucial part of why it is so awesome. Sure, some of the characters are pretty... They're a little, 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 little two-dimensional. Uh, a little bit cliche in you know the whole latin jasmine relationship we also have jafar um whole storyline i think the movie just for me it just works so well and it's just a story that i personally connect to or not connect to but it's it's just such a a group of fun lively characters some of the most fun characters that i've ever seen in a movie just a lot of zany one of the most cartoony disney movies ever made uh, just cartoony, zany fun with also a lot of hearts with the romance between Aladdin and Jasmine uh, and the relationship between Sultan and Jasmine and between Genie and Aladdin, their friendship. Um, all of these relationships getting developed throughout the movie also has a lot of heart as well as a lot of humor and fun and action. There's a lot of action and adventure side to this movie, probably thanks to Steven Spielberg. As I mentioned before, who is not credited in this movie, but he does—he was a um, helping hand. And there's a lot of Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones vibes, as well as other adventure movies. Um, so it's got adventure, it's got action, it's got humor, it's got heart. Uh, it's just got a lot of great ingredients that kind of mix together to make, in my opinion, and I know that uh, most people don't think this, but in my opinion, my favorite movie of all time, the, my f- most favorite movie that I've ever watched and probably will ever watch. Um, just because these elements specifically tailor to me 
to where I look at this and go, this is a great movie. I can look past all of its flaws, and I can also have fun with it, you know, poke holes in it and say, ha, ha, maybe this doesn't work. Ha, ha, maybe this isn't the best. Uh, but I definitely think that this movie is my... And I, I don't think I know that this movie is my favorite movie of all time. So... Uh, that is my thoughts on Aladdin. I hope that you enjoyed this review, uh, breakdown, uh, behind-the-scenes sharing of information of all of the behind-the-scenes facts of this movie. I uh, hope that you enjoyed. I hope that you will continue listening to the podcast as well to hear our my thoughts and Jake's thoughts more on other movies. Don't worry, he talks a lot more if you liked him at all. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so Jake, actually, so Jake, final thought. You give your final thoughts on this movie. Well, it's not really much else for me to say that I said at the beginning. Is that it's a very fun, it's a nice, fun, charming little, not little, it's a very fun, adventurous, charming, magic carpet ride of a movie. We have a fun magic carpet ride watching this movie every time I watch it. It's a fun little uh, magic carpet ride. I probably give it about a 9 out of 10. Solid 9. I'd give it a 10 out of 10 because I love it so much. So, hopefully you guys enjoy this very, quote-unquote very important episode of the Movie Majors podcast, which it kind of is for Eli, but... Oh, yeah, it totally is. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Don't forget to go watch Eli at Hollingsworth Enterprise. Watch me at JBHG. What was that? Minecraft Madness, which never gets content anymore. The Nostalgia Freaks and the Movie Majors YouTube channel, all on YouTube. Don't, we're, we're still also planning our two-year anniversary podcast yes, live our, stream. A, our two-year anniversary april 17th uh we're going to be doing a live stream on the movie majors youtube we haven't discussed we haven't exactly thought about what our subject's going to be yet but we're thinking about it right yeah, now Yeah. so about uh two months from a few uh, yeah about two months from now. three months from now in february april. march oh right it's april yeah three months so three months from now we'll about. we're still discuss we haven't really talked about it yet but i'm sure we can we can think of something for yeah, we, we'll let stream. you know what we're gonna do for that. So yes, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you don't forget to don't forget to watch. Don't forget to keep listening to this podcast. So check out the X Files podcast I have with Eli Spencer. Want to hear more about some X Men? And, and remember, remember, you ain't never had a friend like me. Like me.